today in the book of in the book of Joel, and then tonight, as in your studies, you will be uh, sharing what you have discovered through looking at it this week. If you have traveled anywhere at all, and even before GPS, uh, back when you actually had to use maps and look and, and try to figure out your destination on a map. There were probably times where you have had to make a U-turn because either you uh, missed your turn uh, because you weren't paying attention and maybe you even knew where you were going and you still missed your turn and you had to do a U-turn. Or maybe it was you were following your GPS and you said, no, I don't think that's the right road that I need to take. I, I think this would be a better And you keep going and you find out that maybe I should have followed the GPS and now where can I turn around and get back on the right path? Maybe one of the most fearful U-turns that you ever see is not one that you make. Maybe it's if you're driving down the interstate and you see a police officer or down the highway and you see a police officer do a quick U-turn after you meet them. Not that you were doing anything wrong, of course. I know nobody here would ever go over the speed limit or not wear their seatbelt or anything like that. But I I had it happen one time. I was driving and met a state trooper. And and there was a, I think, one car in front of me and I was driving. And as soon as we passed that, you know, you just look. Okay, (laughs) see, is there brake lights? I see some of you do the same thing, because some of you I can tell by your... And he immediately whipped it around, and you're thinking, okay, what did I do? You know, you're looking at your speed. You're, did I do something wrong? Do, do I have a headlight? You know, you're immediately thinking through. And he, he whips it around, and I don't know if he got a call or something, but he went flying by me and the other car and just kept going and was gone. And it was like, whew, okay, it wasn't me, but then you're wondering, okay... There's something going on somewhere, but that was a U-turn that kind of made me wonder for a second of what's going on. So today in Joel, we, we read in verse 12 that he says, now therefore turn to me with all your heart. So we are today looking at making a spiritual U-turn, if you will, of the path that I am on my own path that we're going to look at, uh, I am in need of a change of course or a change of direction. So Joel chapter 2, we are going to look, starting out, we want to see the need that we have. The illustration that, that I've been using of driving a car, there have been times probably that you have been on a path Maybe you ignored the GPS, but you thought you were on the right road, and you were going down that road with confidence, and you thought, okay, um, I'm, I'm traveling the right direction, and then sooner or later, there needs to be that time, if it is the wrong road or the wrong path, that you wake up and you realize, this course that I'm on will not lead me to the destination that I'm wanting to go. And so in this passage... We, there is kind of a wake-up call for the people of saying, you need to return to the Lord. Now, 
in the previous part of this uh, book, we read of, it's talking of locusts, of famine, of destruction, and that is the wake-up call for, for the people. And we need to understand, you and I, that in our natural existence, you and I are lost. We are lost. Now, maybe you say, I have, I have been in church, I have heard this over and over again, but we need to understand that our natural existence, our natural uh, course that we are traveling, if you will, in life, is one of complete lostness. Have you ever, have you ever been in, in traveling? Have you ever been actually lost where you didn't know? Here in Iowa, if you drive around enough, you can sooner or later find a highway that will lead you to something. But um, one of the closest times that I've had to that was when I was visiting my brother when they lived in Pittsburgh. And the roads in Pittsburgh are not like Iowa roads. They don't go, they don't follow any planning or course or anything, I don't think. I mean, they go all over the place and there were many times that I had to call them up and I had to be like, okay, where am I supposed to go from here? And when I was following him somewhere, I'd be like, okay, I'm, I'm making sure I'm not going to lose you because I, I would have no idea where I'm going in this city because it's, it's all confusing. Understanding that apart from Christ, that you and I are lost and without hope. Now, just like admitting that you are lost when you are driving, and there have been probably thousands of jokes made about men not willing to ask for directions, right? That, no, I'm not lost. I know where I'm going. I might not know right now, but I'll know. You know, there have been jokes and jokes about men not willing to. Why? Because admitting you're lost takes a humbling. It takes humility. It takes saying, no, I don't know where I'm going. I don't this one rare instance, I don't know what I'm doing, right? And admitting that you are lost takes humility. And it is the same spiritually. Admitting that apart from Christ, I am lost and without hope. I am lost and without hope in this world. Romans 3.23 For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Apart from the saving grace of God, I am lost and without hope. If you look at our world today, the majority of people that we see around us are without hope. And you see despair when you talk to people. People are despairing and they are without hope. But part of that goes back to they have yet to admit or to see maybe that they are lost apart from Christ. It is when we hum have humbled ourselves, and hopefully you can look back to your own life, and I remember the point of kneeling down and, and humbling myself, and I need a Savior. I am a sinner. I am broken. I need a Savior. Maybe you can, hopefully you can look back to that time. But the world around us is without hope, and the hope that they need to find is first admitting and seeing that they are lost apart from Christ. But then along with that, we see our need is that we have broken God's law. We have broken God's law. 
I personally have broken God's law. I have, my, I have sinned against God. I have lived in a way contrary to, to his rules, his commands. And I have broken God's, God's law. But then as a nation, think of the things that we have constantly been praising and the things that we have been even, uh, if you will, punishing of trying to close the doors of churches during COVID. At people's greatest need for spiritual, spiritual things, we tried to shut those doors down. We have tried to, in this country, we have said that it is okay to, to terminate a life if it interferes with your, your life. If it doesn't fit into your plans, that it's okay for you to, to end that life. We have said marriage can be whatever you want it to be. And we as a nation have broken God's law. And we wonder why our future as a nation is not bright. Our country that we see today, our homes are a mess. Our kids are struggling and are a mess because we are trying to live without God. And here in Joel, he is saying, destruction has come upon you. The locust has come. You are without food. The, even the animals are groaning because they don't have anything to eat or anything to drink. And he's saying, your response should be to turn to God, to return to God. So our need is we are lost, we have broken God's law, and we are in need of wisdom. We are in need of wisdom. Wisdom is seeing things from God's perspective. And our nation today is in great need of seeing things from God's perspective. But I ask us today, I say, do we see the world around us from God's perspective? Do we see that God's judgment is upon us as a nation by the way that we have been living, by the way that we have been conducting our business? That a just God cannot reward the things that we have been uh, approving of in our nation. And do I view my sin personally from God's perspective? Most of the time, when we are looking outwardly, we can say, oh, that's horrible what that is doing. It's, it's bad what our, what our government is doing right now. And they're trying to push this agenda and this agenda and this agenda. But then when I look personally at my own life, Am I as quick to see my own sinfulness? Am I as quick to see that response right there? That was a response of pride in your own life. That was a response, that outburst that you had. Why did you have that outburst of anger? Well, you were making it about you. You were trying to defend self. Do I view my sin from God's perspective? The song that we just sang of how deep the father's love a part in that song said it was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished do i view my sin as what was holding the savior on the cross do i see it in the true light 
So we have a great and desperate need. But now I want us to look at this is the course that we've been on. A course of being lost, of hopeless, of despair. But thankfully, that is not the course that we need to be on. So we need to do a U-turn and we need to repent. We need to repent for salvation. Luke 13 and verse 3 says, Unless you repent, you shall likewise perish. And in Matthew 4, Jesus in one of his first sermons says, Jesus said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So just like you are on a wrong path on the road, and you need to find a spot to do a U-turn, a, a safe spot to turn your car around and get back on the right path, So you and I, we need to humble ourselves and admit, Lord, apart from you, I am lost and without hope. I understand that Jesus is the only way of salvation. As he said in John 14, that I am the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And I am turning from trusting in my own way and my own works to trust in the works of God. So the first first step and most important is calling on the name of the Lord for salvation. Unless repentance begins there, any of these other things that we mentioned will not matter. If we just say, I'm going to, what I did was wrong, I'm going to try to do better. No, that's, trying to do better is not, is not repentance. So repentance must begin at salvation. So repentance, uh, our response should be making a U-turn and repenting. Repentance is having an understanding or a conviction of my sin. In James 1, it it refers to it this way. It talks about that the Bible is to be a mirror. A mirror that reveals, and so we can see our own sinfulness and our own need of Christ. So repentance is, first and foremost, conviction of sin. Uh, admitting that we are going the wrong way and that our end will lead to death. Uh, it's happened before in our houses. We're getting ready to go out somewhere. Uh, I don't think it happened this morning. Um, maybe we had finished eating breakfast and we're trying to hurry out the door and you look and one of the kids has maybe some uh, chocolate Nutella from a toast still around their face, right? And... Uh, Hey, you have something on your face. Where? And starts rubbing eyes. Just, just go to the bathroom and look in the mirror, and you'll see where it is all over your face. What we point them to the mirror so they can see what, is, what their face is truly like. Now, if they walk in and they say, they look at the mirror, oh, I don't think it looks that bad, turns around and walks back out. As parents, we would say, okay, hold on, hold on. You may not think it looks bad, but... Just go and wash your face. Now, that's, that's never happened where they said, oh, I, I kind of like the look of chocolate all over my face as I go out in public. But the word of God is a mirror that shows us, as I read it, I see my true sinful nature, and it, it, it reveals and convicts of sin. And the spirit works along with the word of God to convict of sin. So our response, our repentance, starts with a conviction of sin. And then our repentance is one that fears God alone. 
Here in Joel, verse 12, it says, Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. Verse 14, who knows if he will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him and a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. He's saying, we know these things that about who God is, that he is slow to anger, that he is merciful. And who knows what they were doing? They were reminding them of who God was so that they had a healthy and wholesome fear of God. In Proverbs 16 and verse 6, it says, By the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. There's another Proverbs that says, The wicked flee when no man pursues, right? That guilty conscience. When you have maybe uh, done something wrong, let's use the illustration of as a kid. As a kid with their parents, when they know a child knows that they've done something wrong, and they know that their parents, or maybe they're uncertain if their parents know what they've done. There is not a great bond of parent and child. Why? I know that I have broken your command or your rule. And I am nervous of whether you know what's going to happen. Or if you don't know, I don't want you to find out. There is it not a great bond of parent-child. Because of of disobedience, whatever it might be. It is the same with God. When I have sin in my life that the Spirit has convicted, the Word of God has has spoken to, and I have not taken care of it, then there is not going to be close fellowship with God until that sin is dealt with, until there is repentance. And that is our third point Repentance is one that takes personal responsibility, takes personal responsibility. It does not try to blame shift. It does not try to point at others or make excuses. Well, this is why I struggle with this. This is why I get angry, because the way these people are acting, how can I help them but get angry and, and yell? No. It takes personal responsibility. In Psalm 51 and verse 3, David said, For I acknowledge my transgression and that my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned. See, he was looking at, he had a wholesome fear of God at this point in his life. He had a wholesome fear of God. Against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless blameless when you judge when we uh just like david said i acknowledge that my sin is always before me he was taking personal responsibility in the old testament the life of joseph what kept joseph from sinning was he had a holy wholesome fear of god he said how can i do this great wickedness and sin against god or against my boss right But the first step was, how can I sin against God? I know that God sees. How can I sin against God? And it was a a wholesome fear of God. But David took personal responsibility of his sin. 
He didn't make excuses. And so many times we are experts in excusing why we struggle with a certain sin or why we have not dealt with a certain sin and repented and got rid of that sin and turned to walk in God's way. So a repentant heart is one that is very personal and takes personal responsibility for their sin. And then a repentant heart is one that transforms the heart and actions. Back to our passage in Joel. Verse 12. Now therefore, turn to me with all of your heart. There's that U-turn or that repentance. Turn to me with all of your heart, with fasting and with weeping and with mourning. So there's a seriousness involved here of a turn to me with fasting and weeping and mourning. So rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful. There's a heart transformation that needs to take place when we repent. That's why David in Psalm 51 said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. He's saying, My heart is wicked and evil. Look at the things that I have done. I'm taking responsibility for my actions, and I need you to cleanse my heart. Uh, In the Hebrew culture... Um, it had always included a rending of garments as a show of true sincerity or repentance or anger or grief or sorrow. And a couple of illustrations of this are when Jacob heard that his boy had died, when he heard, when the brothers brought report back to Jacob, Joseph has been killed. Remember, he hadn't really been killed, he had been sold. Um, and they brought the, the colorful coat, and they had the blood on it. See, look, your, your son has been killed. In Genesis 37, it says that, that Jacob tore his clothes and put sackcloth and, um, on his loins and mourned for his son many days. And just uh, like Jacob, when Abner was killed in 2 Samuel, uh, David commanded, tear your clothes and gird on sackcloth and lament for Abner. It was a sign of such extreme uh, suffering and remorse and trying to show outwardly uh, what was taking place inwardly. Now, Joel says in verse 12, he had said, turn to the Lord with fasting and with weeping and with mourning. So you see this outward of, Uh, fasting before the Lord, seeking him in repentance, mourning before him, weeping. But then he says, rend your heart and not your garments. So Joel is saying, repent and turn to the Lord with all your heart, not just with outward display of, oh, look at how, look at how serious I am in, in rendering my garment. No, he says, rend your heart before the Lord And not your garments. Return to the Lord. He says do that with fasting and weeping. So it's a transformation. True repentance is a transformation of the heart. And it will also affect our actions. Uh, The story is told of a businessman. Whose unethical practices uh, were widely known. And he, he was talking to Mark Twain. 
And he said that he, he spoke that he said, I would love to go on a pilgrimage someday and go uh, climb Mount Sinai and read the Ten Commandments aloud on top of, on top of Mount Sinai. What a, what a wonderful experience that would be, and that would be life-transforming. Mark Twain, as the story is told, was not impressed, and he said to the gentleman, he said, I have a better idea for you. He said, you could just stay at home, and you could just keep the Ten Commandments. Now, many times we can kind of smile at that story, and, and I don't know if it's a true story or not, but how many times do we look for these huge moments of, oh boy, I would love to go and climb up there and read the Ten Commandments. Am I keeping the Ten Commandments? Now, am I doing what I know I should be doing? So uh, repentance is then one that seeks restoration. Seeks restoration. In our study that we went through last, last summer in looking at heaven, one of the things that was brought up over and over again in our study was that, that one day God is going to restore. And what a wonderful thought that that is, that restoration, that everything that we know here has been touched by, this, by cur- the curse of sin and is broken. But one day God is going to bring restoration uh, to, to everything. And repentance seeks restoration. Seeks restoration with those that we have wronged, but seeks restoration most importantly with God. In this passage, Joel says that we are to return to the Lord, but he ends it before, the verses before that we didn't read are all about destruction and the locusts coming in and suffering. But then the end of the passage that we read earlier talks about the blessing that God pours out. And when you and I truly repent and turn from walking in our way to walk in God, it brings blessing for us. First, again, I mentioned salvation. The blessing of salvation, Romans 10, 13, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't say may be saved, might be saved, hopefully is saved, that we can know that we have been saved. Salvation from future judgment, that the blessing of salvation. But then we read here that God is a God full of mercy, and that has not changed. God is perfect in all of his ways. His character does not change. He is a merciful God. So in Joel 2, we read that he is merciful. In Proverbs 28, we read, He who covers his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes will have mercy. Think of that. Think of that proverb. Think of that. That if I cover my sin, I'm not going to prosper. But if I turn to the Lord with all my heart, I will find mercy and not judgment. And then 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we have mercy when we turn to the Lord with all our heart. But then, lastly, that the blessing of you and I have a bright future. In verse 14, 
Who knows if he will turn and relent, if God will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind, a grain offering and a drink offering, if God will leave these things for the Lord your God. And that's why he says, blow the trumpet, gather all the people. I don't care what anyone is doing. Gather all the people together. Verse 18, it says, the Lord will be zealous of his land and pity his people. The Lord will answer and say to his people, behold, I will send you grain and new wine and oil. You will be satisfied by them. You will no longer, I will no longer make you a reproach among the nations, but I will remove far from you the northern army and will drive him away into the barren and desolate land with his face toward the eastern sea and his back toward the western sea. His stench will come up and his foul odor will rise because he has done monstrous things. Fear not, O land. Be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done marvelous things. Do not be afraid, you beasts of the field. What is he saying? I am going to pour out blessing on you. You will no longer be the reproach. You do not need to live in fear. Verse 23, be glad then, you children of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the rain. The rains finally came. The pastures were growing, right? The the threshing floors were filled. Verse 25, I will restore to you the years. He's saying, The years of of drought and suffering that you went through, when you seek me, when you return to me, I will restore. You shall eat in plenty. Verse 27. Then you will know that I am in your midst of in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord, your God, and there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame. He was giving them this as you seek me, as you return to me. I will pour out my blessing and you will have a bright future. Our future is is even brighter. He says, as you seek me and you find salvation in me, he's like, I will guide you through this day and help us to grow in this day. But he's saying your future as believers, we know that the best is yet to come. One day we will be in his presence for all eternity. And this battle that we are taking place, this uh, need that we have to repent and turn to him will all be behind us. We will, we will finally be perfected. The, the Bible says the work that he began in us will finally come to completion. And you and I have a bright future. So today, whatever God is laying on your heart, turn to God with all your heart. And just as the people were challenged then, turn to the Lord your God with all your heart, with fasting and weeping, Rend your heart to him because he is a gracious and merciful God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are so wonderful in all your ways. Lord, we are undeserving of mercy, of forgiveness, of hope. But in your great love for us, you saw our need. Lord, I pray that even now that you would reveal to each of us that your spirit would would work in each of us to help us to see our own sinfulness and our need of you. Lord, our need is great, and my need is great, and I pray that you would help us that we might, we might not just show the outward display of repentance, but that we would allow you to transform our heart. Lord, if there are any today that don't know you as their Lord and Savior, I pray that they would find saving knowledge today, that they would call upon your name, 
and that they would know that their sins are forgiven and that they have a home in heaven. Lord, I, I pray that you would help us to be a light for you. There are so many needs and hurts in this world and so much despair. Help us to be uh, to share the light of hope that only comes from you. Lord, I thank you that your word is true. I thank you that we can rest upon it today. In Jesus' name, amen.